Hi there. Welcome to Did I Talk Too Much, a Grit podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Happy Halloween. Today is October 31st. You'll be listening to this probably long after, but hope you had a non-spooky day that was full of treats and was amazing. Um, today, I'm joined in the studio with the girlies. We have so many girlies in here (laughs) that we are sharing mics and then Emmy is without headphones. She's sacrificing for us. So this is going to be relevant to the next thing we're talking about, but we're going to say our names so you get comfy with all the voices so you don't get confused. And also our birth order and our family because we're going to talk about that next. So Emmy. Hey, my name's Emmy and been on the pod before so you might recognize my voice you know you know um i am a middle child i have an older brother and a younger sister so right in the middle okay hey it's kaylee um i am the baby in the family if you know me it explains a lot (laughs) i'm sorry it's just so funny (laughs) anyways audrey though who are you not who we know who you are (laughs) our little pod intern yeah um but who are you in your family? Yeah, I'm Audrey, if you didn't get that, and um, I'm the oldest of five. So I have two younger brothers and two younger sisters. Wait, and Kaylee, how many siblings do you have? I have an older brother and an older sister, but my relationship is a little funky because it's my half-sister and my half-sister's half-brother. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So it's giving spoiled youngest daughter. Mm-hmm. So I'm an only child on my dad's side of the family, if like with just with him, mm-hmm. and then I'm one of three on my mom's side. Gotcha. That checks out. In a way, if you're the only child, you're the oldest and the youngest. But yeah, slay. Thank you guys for sharing. Yeah, so we're gonna get into that in a second. But Kaylee, tell us a little bit about what we're gonna be chatting about today. Today we're gonna be talking about why being girl is just really hard sometimes. Uh, how it can be difficult in school, how it can be difficult for us in the workplace, church, or just anywhere in life sometimes. And just Literally. so you know, it feels it's okay to feel these things. And that way, you also realize that we're thinking the same things you are. Literally. And I feel like we have a lot of different perspectives. So it's going to be awesome. Okay, so we're first going to chat about why it's hard being a gal in our families. So whether you're the youngest, middle, or oldest gal in your family, each place has its own unique burdens. So we're going to talk about those. So we're going to start with the oldest daughter. So, yes, girl. So tell me about being the oldest daughter. Because as the youngest, it's just like all I know is just like being treated like so amazing, just like slaying all the time. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I am the eldest daughter, and that has some interesting challenges that come with it, Um, especially since I'm the eldest of five. I grew up feeling, like, very responsible for my siblings. We were all born within um, seven years of each other, so my little sister is 11 right now, Um, but still then I was, like, definitely expected to help out all the time and started kind of just trying to become a woman, like, really early on so I started babysitting when I was probably like 11 that's so oldest daughter core yes Mm -hmm. um I like changed diapers and 
all of the things. Um, also, the eldest granddaughter, too. So I'm like, all the cousins are younger than me, too, mm. which is interesting. So it, I think it's made me into a really independent person. I don't like getting help from anybody or asking for help. And also, I spent a lot of time in my family worrying about being a burden because um, my parents were so preoccupied with the other kids. Um, and it was up to me to be the good kid who didn't have a lot of problems for them to deal with. Um, and so I spent a lot of time just like handling my own problems, not really asking for help. And maybe this isn't the universal eldest daughter experience. And there's a lot of things about my family that might make um, my experience a little bit more unique. But yeah. I think TikTok like thought I was the oldest daughter for a while just based mm. on like my general personality mm -hmm. that like TikTok understands. And I would get these TikToks and I was like, okay, resonates. Like, okay, true. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's a lot of what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, it's so interesting that like the oldest daughter is given like so much responsibility and it's mm -hmm. just like implied like, oh, you will babysit. You will do all of these mm -hmm. things. And obviously like you're not compensated <laughs> because it's like, well, these are your siblings, whatever. But like the oldest son is not expected to oh, do that no, no. whatsoever. Even when they are like the oldest in their family, I've seen that in my own family and in um, my friends. And even when I'm thinking about Parker, like he's the oldest and he's not expected to do that. But mm -hmm. it's interesting to think about like how much of it is like our, like how much of it is like the parents telling the daughter that, or is that just the daughter? Like that's just, that's just kind of a tendency when you're the mm -hmm. oldest one. Like you just feel like you need to mm -hmm. protect everyone and help them. It's interesting like how much of it because it feels pretty like universal when I've talked to oldest daughters that's like a lot of how it feels so very mm. interested to hear more but thanks for sharing Audrey yeah. Kaylee give us that baby perspective baby as the youngest daughter I I'm a little bit different I think in the sense I do resonate with Audrey being the oldest granddaughter because I'm technically the oldest um and then when you count my sister she's the oldest but it's different with like half siblings and stuff mm-hmm but um, I'm the oldest granddaughter, and I was also the favorite granddaughter. I'm I'm also the gr favorite granddaughter. I have to admit, <laughs> um, it's also a little bit different because I held the standard for my cousins, um, to an extent, but not really. I was just the only one who like went to private school. I was the only one who decided to go to college and all this kind of stuff. So I think I'm held to like a little bit of a different level and seen in a different light. So it's like if I do something like when I got tattoos, it was like oh she's going rogue, <laughs> which I think is a little funny. But um, in the eyes of my parents, my dad, I am the most spoiled girl in the entire world. And my boyfriend, Josh, he got so annoyed about it because my dad spent like $4,000 on me for my birthday. My birthday's also on Christmas, so it was double. It was like 4000 or something like that. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have any other kids. Exactly. Like, he doesn't have, a, he doesn't have any other kids. He's balling out because yeah. he has the best daughter ever. I would Thank too. You. He doesn't have any other kids. My dad's so pretty young, and he doesn't have a girlfriend. So and if he's not like spending his money on other things, like at his age, most men have to spend that money on other stuff, mm -hmm. like buying their kids stuff. And if he doesn't have to buy stuff for you, he's like, I'm a traitor. Yeah, so honestly, what, period. <laughs> so he got us both like matching. So he got me a gold Virgin Mary necklace that I wear literally every day for my birthday. That he got me for my birthday, and then he got himself a matching like chain with it, which so I, I thought was really cute. <laughs> um, but my dad's my bestie. Anyways. So is my mom onto in another way. We love Jennifer. But on my mom's side, it's me, my older sister. And then this is where it gets a little complicated. I have my sister's half brother. So technically he's not blood related to me at all. 
but I still consider him my brother because he would spend his whole summers with us. He'd spend his winter breaks with us for the most part. And so he's still my brother, but like the whole thing of having to have that certain birth order, he never had to be treated a certain way because he was technically a guest at our house. Hmm. Even though he was family, he still didn't have to do certain things, but I do understand it because he didn't live there. Whereas, like, my older sister and I were treated super differently because she was very athletic and she's also seven years older than me. And then I'm the baby and partially the favorite. So (laughs) I think I was held to a different standard as a youngest child. But I think that definitely still affected me of, like, having almost this double life of, like, I have so much to... I have so many expectations for me on my dad's side because he wants me to thrive and be the best kid ever because I'm his only kid. And also because he didn't get the experiences of, like, having a higher education, he wanted me to have that. So it was definitely pushed on me. Granted, I was fine with doing that, but it was definitely pushed on me. Whereas, like, with my mom, it was kind of like some things were overseen as, like, oh, you're not as bright as your sister. So, mm-hmm. But you're bright in other aspects of your life. So I was really blessed to, like, have parents that understood that, like, I wasn't athletic, but I was very creative. And they catered to that. So it was, mm-hmm. I think that's where my experience is a little bit different. Yeah, I feel like a lot of younger siblings resonate with, like, feeling like they have to meet the standards of, like, the older siblings that are set. Mm. I personally didn't feel that as much because, like, my siblings didn't set high expectations Mm. in a traditional way of, like, oh, they graduated with honors. They went on to college and had this amazing career. I really admire my siblings for the ways that they're successful in their own ways. And But they, I'm first gen, and so my siblings didn't go to college, and so I didn't feel like that expectation necessarily but I feel like that is definitely like true of being the youngest you know um as an Ola star I feel sometimes like bad for setting a precedent that's Mm. maybe unfair for the rest of my siblings tell me more um I am a big rule follower and so I did not get in trouble very much so now I'm like watching my siblings go through some of those same phases and stages that I did and they're not um they don't appear to be succeeding as i appeared to succeed totally i feel like so many girls like no matter what place and we'll get to emmy in a second like no matter what place you're in in your family you just feel like you need to like take on the that burden like in your family to be like the easy person Mm -hmm. that's not causing any problems i definitely felt that way because i had some really rebellious older siblings And so I was like, okay, like, there's not really space for me to be, like, upset. And I also saw with my parents, too, that, like, like my siblings, like, getting upset with my parents didn't yield very positive results. And so then I was like, okay, I'm just going to be, like, good and not argue at all. Yeah, it's interesting, like, how I feel like that is. And there's definitely men, I'm sure, who have experienced this. But I think it's specifically, like, no matter what place you're in, I think a lot of girls feel that way but emmy tell us about being a middle a middle girly i am the middle child like jenna said and i think like i relate to what everyone has been saying about i yeah what jenna was saying about just being the female in um any position within a family i think carries its own burdens and um some of the experiences that i saw as a middle child were just like first like feeling this need to like go along with everything and so like I see now in my life today that like having to make my own decisions for myself is extremely difficult and a practice that I have to push myself to do um because it was always just like you're gonna do what everyone else is doing um because that was I was right in the middle so I had to follow one or the other um and there was a lack of 
just building my own because I had to agree because it was either youngest choice or oldest choice. And so um, I think that that was that is something that I'm still see within my life that I am working on and growing in um, is being confident in my own opinions and my own decisions about things. And I don't think that's just like unique to me as a middle child, but I think something for any position within a family, but also just competing for attention because it was like, oh, if I'm right in the middle, then like there's nothing like I'm not the oldest who's succeeding or the youngest needing to be taken care of. I'm kind of just right there. And so um, I think looking for that attention, which I still find myself seeking in different ways, not necessarily in the most blatant way of like, look at me, watch me do this, but just almost like within conversation or um, having something important to say or whatever that looks like um, to be heard and listened to. Um, And yeah, I think kind of like what Audrey was saying of just always wanting to be the problem solver or be like fixing things and things like that. I think I find myself in that position often um, of wanting to mediate things because, oh, if I'm in the middle, then I'm in the middle and need to mediate um, or need to solve these things when that wasn't necessarily my place. And so being okay with like things just being and not having to solve them all the time because maybe it's not my place or maybe they don't need to be solved by me specifically. So yeah, those were my experiences. <laughs> Thank you for sharing, Emmy. Spitting absolute facts. Mm-hmm. It's actually super subjective, but speaking <laughs> things that are super true for you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like I j- we just wanted to start off with kind of talking about birth order because it really impacts you so much. It's so interesting when, like, I obviously knew you were the middle child, but I think, like, you just are like, oh, this is who you are because this is who you are. But it's like, nature versus nurture like la la like how much of you was like actually like this and how much of you like your family made like this and Mm -hmm. the environment you're in it's like so interesting like if I was the oldest it would be like different embarrassing exactly (laughs) (laughs) okay anyway back on track yeah birth order is very interesting I think it's like a helpful way or a helpful lens for us to put on to talk about how being a girl is hard in our family specifically and then we all kind of got to hit different points so That was great. Thank you guys for sharing. Listener, I hope that that resonated with you and that you can think about uh, your place and your family and the unique challenges that come with that. It's honestly a lifelong thing to think about and not something that can really be blamed because it's just like the order you came in. And God obviously placed you and your family for a reason in that special silly order that you're all in. It's also so funny finding out like other friends that are the same order as you because you're like, Mm -hmm. you get, you get like Kaylee and I'm like, like, you get me. You just do. But my mom being the youngest, her and I are like, slay. So now we are going to move on to how expectations for girls and boys differ in the church space. I could talk about this forever. Mm-hmm. Literally forever. Literally the only note. I don't even have questions listed for this because I was like, well, you can just have an open discussion. But women are expected to be leaders, which we'll talk about this in school as well. Like, women are expected to be leaders in the sense of being, like, mature and, like, taking care of people and managing behavior. But you can't actually be a leader. Yeah. And not just, like, women are expected to be leaders, but, like, girls. Girls. Exactly. That's what we're emphasizing, like, in this episode, too, is, like, we're talking about when you're younger, Mm -hmm. specifically. And obviously, we can reflect on how that's impacted us now, because that's still meaningful. But, like, when I was younger in church, like, just feeling like you needed to... Like, your girls are just held to a higher standard of, like, behavior 
what comes up for you when you hear boys will be boys? Because we need to talk about it. Um, I was just going to say, like, an experience I remember having at the church I grew up in was serving within the, like, younger kids. And the only people who were serving were, like, girls. Like, there were rarely, if I even, I don't even have memories of men even serving within, like, children's ministry or things like that. But I remember from a young age, me and my sister would. And it was almost just this, like, because women have this natural posture of nurturing because that's how we are created in God's image um to be mothers and such if that is what we are called to do um we just are asked to do that in all areas of our life in all areas of community and things like that and that feels difficult especially when you are so young and you're just being asked to like be this nurturing motherly thing or person within your church or whatever and that's um that's your place and that's your place to serve um but not very many other spaces feel available and if they are they're within the similar pattern of like women's ministry which again is like serving as this nurturing person or things like that which I understand the thing of like working with your natural gifting and I understand the thing about that but it feels limiting when there you have more gifts than just nurturing and being this like overseer like being able to control children's behavior and feed them and you know give them snack and explain a bible story and things like that and so um I just wish there were different and more opportunities for um places for me to serve within the church that aren't just kids ministry thank you for sharing Emmy that's so real so much to unpack from that but as you were talking I was thinking why do you think boys are not given responsibility when they're younger? But then we get older. This is more in a church context, which is upsetting because I don't think this aligns with the Bible. Mm-hmm. But the older we get, the more responsibility, quote, men get. Mm-hmm. And women, even when it comes to women's ministry, you're more likely to get be unpaid in what you're doing. It's just like, oh, this is what you're doing. Like the women are meeting. Oh, this is so great. Versus with men's group, it's like, oh, we need to pay someone to lead so that this can actually happen. Like there's, I think, a lot more like natural forming community a lot of times for women. I was just listening to Christianity Today and they were saying one in six women's ministry roles are paid. So hopefully things change with that. But that just had me thinking, going back to us being boys and girls, like why do you think boys are not given responsibility when they're younger yet, especially in a church context, we believe that like men have authority over Mm -hmm. women? Or at least are, should be leaders mm-hmm. in the church. Shouldn't we have higher expectations for boys when they're little? Like, I just feel like we're kind of setting them up to fail by being like, boys will be boys. It's like, yeah. what if we corrected behavior? I know. I almost feel a little bit bad because um, I feel like the church is supposed to be, like, training children. And then if you kind of just train the women and then they all grow up <laughs> and then they all get married... And then you're expecting um, a more, like, complementarian view of marriage to work where um, the wife is supposed to be kind of, like, submitting to her husband's leadership, but he hasn't really been trained in being responsible in the first place. I don't know if we're really setting up our families for success, um, and that's hard and kind of sad to watch. I think it's a lot of um, the weight of the generation that we're currently living in at least of the 
um, Gen X and millennials just having this different view of stories biblically and those can be taken within the wrong context and I think our generation being more insightful within those topics just the more that we've been able to learn about it I think that has affected the view that we have on church and ministry and women in ministry and women in church and things like that and so I think um, at least in my family like the views that my parents learned about women in church is different than what I believe about women in church and so I think that also affects just how boys like my brother or things like that were raised within the church and not necessarily in a horrible or bad way but just in a different way and so I think that also affects just having more context and learning more biblically and things like that yeah I think the way I grew up in church is a little bit different than everyone else's just because I did grow up in a Catholic church. I'm still Catholic, just to put it out there. But <laughs> um, uh, I also went to Catholic school growing up, so K through 8, and also Catholic high school. So whole, so whole basically she's the ultimate Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I can see a lot of differences. Like for us, like we don't necessarily have like youth groups. We had like, I think it was called CCD, which was like, which was like an after school program if you weren't in catholic school like you would go to like bible study and stuff but since you were in the school it's a little bit different so for us i think the boys actually did have responsibility because in our school really cool. we had this thing called um the buddy system and so in kindergarten you get paired with like a seventh grader and in first grade you get paired with an eighth grader and it's like it doesn't matter your gender you still get a kid kind of a thing and so you guys get matched it's like up. sorority big and little yeah <laughs> And our role is that when we go to mass on Fridays or whatever day we had, it depended on the year. Um, it was I think it was Wednesdays actually, but um, on days that it was mass, you had to make sure you sat with your buddy to make sure they were in line during mass, to make sure they were quiet, to make sure they weren't playing around. If they had to go to the bathroom, you had to take them, and it didn't matter. So like some of us had to be partnered up. So like in eighth grade, I shared a buddy with one of my friends, but him and I mm-hmm. like he made sure like he was equally as part of like in on this because we had a teacher son too so it was oh like we gosh. had to make sure like we were wait i love this, this like intergenerational it's like precious. yes <laughs> t- like that is such a good example of something the catholic church does better mm-hmm. than the than protestant christianity like that's so cool it was like my favorite thing ever because i remember i know my buddies and like i loved having them as like my big buddies like they're so fun and like same thing on like halloween for example we would get together with our buddies for a little bit and like go to the like the little carnival we'd set up or like go do things with them so every holiday we spend with them so like we'd get them little gifts and like make things like we'd color together it was just like really sweet and so it was more of like a mentorship so like I definitely looked up to my buddies when I was younger and like I couldn't wait to be one like I still have a frame that my buddy gave me and he decorated and it has a picture of us it's like the sweetest thing ever love you Daniel even though he's like in high school now (laughs) Wait, that is so cute. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Always appreciate your Catholic perspective that you bring the podcast because it actually is like really different than what we grew yeah. up in with. Yeah. Thinking about you two shared like very different things, but first talking about what Emmy shared, I feel like that's very true. And even like a really conservative and traditional reading of the Bible, like that interpretation still holds men and women equally, like the exact same worth and value and dignity. And you maybe have different roles, but that doesn't mean that one is better than the other. And I don't think that's the system we have in the church now. And so, yeah, important to talk that through and think that through. And I think our generation is going to make a lot of really cool changes um, through just better interpretation of scripture. So, And then with Kaylee, I literally cannot get over how precious that is. I love that. Such a better example of leadership for kids, too. 
because yeah. we didn't have like a children's ministry or anything like that because catholics don't really do that we all just go to the same mass and it's like if you know even if you're young you're still going to get something out of it like they have the rosary group that's before us and like sometimes we sit with them and pray um the only thing is that we christians you guys can be pastors if you're women whereas with catholics the highest the only thing you can be within the church is a nun and that's it <laughs> um besides none that, else yeah none <laughs> I'm sorry I had oh, to. God. I really had to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah, a nun slash sister. Sister and nun are like the same thing. But okay. They're, gotcha. they're interchangeable. Um, It's more of like sister can be like what you call before you get to a nun. But we still call them the same things. Yeah. That's literally it. Besides that, you're just like a lay person. But we're all... Do y'all use that term? I know what you're talking okay. about. Yeah. <laughs> um, lay person, clergy. Yeah. yeah. I'm the laity. Yes, using my exactly. I've been thinking about something Emmy said earlier, talking about how women are often put in these, like, roles of responsibility, which also aren't really seen as roles of responsibility, which is interesting. I think they're just like, oh, the women will watch the kids or they'll do whatever, which actually takes, like, a lot of patience and work that I think a lot of guys, they don't really have the capacity for, um, just because it takes practice and experience and stuff. And I think girls, since we're younger, it's like, oh, that's a little kid. You're going to watch and make sure they're safe even if you're just like hanging around just because it's like oh I naturally feel that way um but it's interesting that a lot of Christians feel like we need to be like limited by like oh I'm naturally maybe inclined to do this so I'm not gonna grow like in this other way when Jesus is like the perfect example of someone who bears like all the fruits of the spirit like gentleness patience kindness um and Jesus also loves kids come on like come like little children to the kingdom let's go um, love children, which at that time children were also seen as like literally the la- like lowest people, like people didn't care about kids. Versus now, mm-hmm. people are like, "My children, like I love you," <laughs> which I think we need to like chill, you know, like let's find a, a middle ground. Anyway, me with my cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> but thinking about how both men and women, like as we continue to grow in our faith and are more sanctified and look more like Jesus. We should be growing in these fruits of the spirit and that isn't something like it's going to look different in men than it is with women I think but that doesn't mean that we can opt out Mm -hmm. of different things and so yeah I think when we don't give men or we don't give boys like leadership positions and don't hold them to high standards of behavior when they're younger we just kind of set them up to fail. I think a great example of that in the church is with men when it comes to like every man's just like a sexual maniac like they just need it they need it every day and it's like oh okay why I don't think this is like I think that's our way of trying to cope with just like the craziness of pornography and with Mm -hmm. um hookup culture and like all that kind of stuff it's like oh this is just like the way men are and it's like okay no like we can have higher standards like that is not the way that we Mm -hmm. solve problems is being like boys will be boys or like oh, this is, me- this is a men's problem mm-hmm. and that they're just going to have to deal with that. It's like, no, like we all have problems that we can grow from through our relationship with God. And we're also like, we're always going to struggle with those things. But just because you have a hard time with something or it's not naturally like being obedient in a certain area isn't going to come as naturally to you doesn't mean like you don't try. Like that's yeah. just dumb. Anyway, guys, I've been talking for way too long. I'm sorry. I just, I'm real passionate. That reminds me of... Uh, when I was in youth group, basically you would have, like, Wednesday nights, you would have dinner, and then you were supposed to have, like, somebody would talk a little bit about a Bible story or whatever, and then you're supposed to have discussion for, like, 45 minutes to an hour. And so in middle school, the girls, they took up all their time. 
we were we were sharing our prayer requests. Like, pray for my. I know where this is going. My I sick know hamster, or like, or like my grandma's in the hospital. Like yeah, yeah. real, real crap. Yeah, and then we're we're like talking about the Bible. And You're like crying, discussing naturally. all of this stuff, and the boys would talk for about 10, 15 minutes, and then they got sent outside to go play basketball or ball or run around the church and distract everybody who was trying to have discussion and i just remember yep. that being like and they're like well they're, they're middle school boys mm-hmm. like they sit in school for eight hours a day they could do it for another 45 minutes to learn more about god maybe totally <laughs> but um that's such a good example but yeah that was what what um you were talking about made me think of that for my fast yes totally there's just like not even an attempt to like oh we're gonna like it just sets them up to fail when it's like okay i know you guys can't sit for too long so we're gonna it's like no i know this might feel hard and you have a lot of energy we're gonna take a break and we're gonna come back or whatever like you can work around those things chance 100 percent. that's such a big issue with the church just has an issue with men and women and and just like putting them in a box like this is just how all men are this is how all women are it's like our gender 100% informs our behavior and who we are and our tendencies, but it is not end-all, be-all. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of women are different than other women. Some women might listen to this and say, this doesn't resonate with me at all. Okay, cool. And there's some that will. Like, it's just so limiting when we do that. I just can't. So, I'm going to wrap up our church talk, and we're going to move on to school. <laughs> okay. Okay, so we got some private school and public school represented in here. I was also homeschooled for a short time, so... Me too. Oh my gosh, yes. Love it. Just a year, though. Yeah, so we're going to talk about why being a girl in school was hard. Emmy, you want to start us off? I went to public school, and something that I think really stood out to me from that experience is someone not wanting to explain something to me or it having to be dumbed down or it having to be re-explained or it being a burden if I didn't understand because that's just how I am and I'm just not going to get it because I'm a girl or I'm not just gonna I'm just not going to get it because it's a boy thing or whatever it is and so um I was just I think a lot of girls resonate with this of being seen as dumber or being seen as like more difficult to understand because there are a lot of com complexities about the way that we think or the perspectives that we have and so things that were being shared with us were just like oh uh, I don't want to explain it to you it's just too much and so um I think that and then also in school I often was disruptive though I would follow the rules I was disruptive and talkative um and I think that was seen as something that was just outrageous because I was a girl and I was supposed to be just like quiet and reserved and things like that and because I wasn't and didn't show up as that in the classroom my behavior was more reprimanded and more just um, punished because I was a girl and I remember I actually sat in seventh grade and I remember telling my teacher I was like but so and so this boy behind me was being so disruptive and I remember getting furious because he didn't get in trouble it was just me and so I think that was frustrating because it was like no Emmy I saw you being disruptive but I was like so aggravated that like because I I felt as though it was because I was a female I don't know and it was just like I was supposed to represent myself as just someone who was quiet and um 
good at listening and all these things which I feel like you can be both and and still have an opinion and things like that but um yeah there would just be disruptive boys and they would be um that's just how they're going to be in the classroom and it's okay but if I was like that it was just the worst thing ever so uh but no I definitely agree of like I think in my middle school experience specifically I was super nervous to raise hands especially because I switched schools so I went to a different I was homeschooled in fifth grade and then for sixth grade I went to a new private school and so those were all new kids I didn't grow up with didn't really know and so I was nervous to raise my hand at all especially because I was super behind in math and so I was put in like a smaller group to like get help but even then I was just really shy to like raise my hand or like ask questions because the boys and there was only 17 of us in that class and so like the boys would definitely laugh or like make fun of you and so I was just super nervous all the time about it and then when I transferred back to like my actual school um I was just like that one girl I know we talked about it but I was just that one girl who was like the the good doer so like they would put the bad boys next to you oh my gosh and I was I was just thinking about it. Be a good example. Yes, I was the example kid. His behavior is not my responsibility. (laughs) They. That's what I should have said. Should have set my boundary. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was a fourth grader. Period. Imagine a fourth grader said that to you. I would be like, period. Honestly, (laughs) I would be like, true. They would always crack me though. They were funny. I couldn't help it, so I'd giggle. But like, I didn't give into their antics, so like, I wouldn't really help the problem. like we need some fur please <laughs> you get turned by them. you become a bad girl <laughs> no I was like the the little example in the class and I definitely prided myself for that because I was like oh that means I'm like getting recognized for like my good behavior but it's like I think about it now and I'm like why should that be recognized like why was their bad behavior the only reason why I got recognized for doing something good literally but um I think it it was a little bit different for me in high school though because I didn't have like people telling me exactly of like oh like let me just do it for you because I don't feel like explaining it because I went to an all-girls school so it was we were all competitive with each other and I think that made me thrive in a certain way that I didn't in middle school and I definitely found myself so I'm really grateful for going to an all-girls private school because I think I definitely needed the closeness with women that just brings in all those friendships and like the sisterhood that like my school brought in but Besides that, I definitely do understand what Emmy was talking about of, like, being the example and having people explain things mm-hmm. to you, like, mansplain things to you, especially, like, male teachers, like, them not wanting to put in the time to you compared to, like, the other boys or other people in the class just because you need an extra help on the question. They're like, oh, see me after class. It's like, Why do you think that is? I honestly don't know. I think they were just like, let's just move on. Like, you can deal with this later kind of a thing. But I definitely realized it was more of like, oh, the girls had to learn a specific way, whereas the boys were getting treated a little bit differently, which I still don't really understand it, but I don't think I ever will. And it's not an experience I really had to fully have. It was more of like an eighth grade thing. But yeah, I also had an eighth grade teacher that favored boys so much. And my brother had him as a teacher and he was like, he's going to be awesome. And I was like, great. And then I had him and I was like, he literally hates me. And I was like, oh. He likes all the male athletes. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. <laughs> I feel like it's just subconscious, but it's very interesting to think about. But what about you, Audrey? Um, I had a kind of an interesting school experience. I went to the same school for first grade to senior year. Whoa. So uh, my graduating class was 19 people. Um, and we had the hybrid model. So we would I would go to school Tuesdays, Thursday and Friday. And then Monday and Wednesday, I would basically, like, um, work on my assignments. So, it was nice. Um, 
It's given college. I'm like, was, okay. Yeah, it's called university model. I'm like, okay. Uh, you in first also, grade, you're like, I'm free on Monday and Wednesday. No, that's <laughs> a, that's another part of the oldest uh, oldest girl thing is by the time, like, it was supposed to be homeschool on those days when you were little, but then by the time I hit, like, fourth grade, I was like, I was running the show. <laughs> I didn't want my mom to give me spelling tests, so I would record myself reading the words and then I would give myself a spelling test. So yeah, I definitely felt a spirit of competition, I guess. Um, I felt kind of sometimes like I have to succeed to prove that girls are smart hmm. to everyone. And I don't re- know really who, if there was anybody um, who imposed that pressure on me in the first place. I was just like, you know what, I have to prove to this place that girls are like really successful and they're really really smart so I definitely like put a lot of pressure on myself in that way um in school also being a girl in school and like being with the same people all the time was kind of hard um all through high school I was kind of grappling with like what I thought about the equality of women and like what I thought about um the way maybe women were not being treated well in my community and so that was just like a hard space to be in um because there were some boys who were kind of problems but it's hard to hard to address that in such a small tiny shared it's hard to address that and it's also that it's counterbalanced with knowing that boy since like first grade and like oh my gosh I can't like that's so sad like I've known you since you were six and you like to collect fossils and read warrior cats and now you're like becoming someone who is not kind to women and that's like a sad thing to watch that as a as a girl it was just hard to watch um and then um and then high school when social status is just what everybody's thinking about um i noticed that the girls in school who the boys had crushes on or thought were cool the girls that they invited to like hang out with them those were the girls who were quiet in class and they were they were chill they were cool and i was not chill <laughs> normalize not being a chill girl because like, please yeah. i'm not chill like if you say something not a chill girl yeah here. if you say something sexist i'm not gonna be like okay i'm gonna be like ha, 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 ha. i'm gonna be like what'd you say, say i'm gonna say huh? oh tell that to your mom when you get home yeah and um I that just, was hard would you say that to your mama yeah I just hear the ha 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 with the eye twitch. (laughs) Um, So it was hard being a girl and like feeling all of having all these strong opinions, but also really wanting to be liked by everybody. It was hard (laughs) trying to balance this. Collective side. It's literally it's so silly because this is I'm talking about like my life a year ago. Yeah. Relatable. (laughs) I'm like literally my life story though. Yeah. Yeah. This reminds me of the the song by SZA, the song Normal Girl, and. Emmy's uh, whisper singing it, but um, the part, especially when she's just like, "Oh, I wish, I wish I was a girl that you could take home to mama, the type of girl that your fellows they'd be proud of." And I remember constantly feeling that in like high, even middle school, like I was constantly feeling that feeling of like, "I wish that I could be a girl that all these, like a guy would be proud of to show off, like that kind of thing, or like be proud of, and like I could be the cool girl or like one of the guys." 
totally emmy is still um she's really into it she's going off no totally i feel like that is such a struggle that i haven't talked to like guys really about their experience in school growing up but like it feels like with boys it's a lot like cooler to like have opinions i don't know and also the way that boys and men talk about their opinions is like interesting because they will just like say things as if it's fact like Mm -hmm. just be like well blah 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 and i'm like okay versus girls are like i've just like i've done some research and like i'm thinking about this but then the way men talk about it is just like like this is just how it is i'm in so i'm in tori right i really like everybody in my cohort and it's not i don't think anybody is misogynist in my cohort i have to disclaimer disclaimer. (laughs) not at all but just like for now it's been 18 years of socialization so when people are sharing their opinions in session all the girls will preface with something like well i think or i'm not really sure if this fits or um they'll talk and they'll be like but i don't i don't really know what do you guys think about this and um and it's it's okay like it's not terror it's not the end of the world but guys have really like no discomfort just kind of saying this is what i think and putting that out there instead of having all of mm-hmm. these like well i don't know and i don't does that make sense da, da, da. Why do you feel like girls feel this need to, like, disclaim? I think it's that we just constantly have to fact check ourselves because the guy is always right and women are always wrong kind of a thing. And we're just emotional beings and men are just so rational and logical. I feel like I always quote things, but I'm going to quote something again. (laughs) Okay, we love a quoter. It's the scene in Matilda when, especially because it's like her dad, but it's the I'm big, you're small, I'm dumb, you're, or I'm smart, you're dumb. And Mm. it's just, it's all because she's a younger girl. And it's like, he wouldn't tell that to his son, even though the son's clearly stupid. (laughs) Sorry, but he was. And Matilda was so bright. She was a great young girl, but for some reason she was treated that way. But it's like, just be, and she was super intelligent. She would read these great books, but she always had to be something littler. So she had to be more little compared to everyone else in her family. I'm like, watch that spooky movie for Halloween. Period. (laughs) I love that movie. It makes me cry. The scariest thing of all, women not reaching their potential. (laughs) Um, yeah, okay, so circling back to why we feel like girlies just have to be disclaiming. Um, I think that we have to disclaim out of, like, almost this fear of, like, if we don't know, then that is gonna deteriorate who we are, um, and that is gonna make people, like, look down on us, and so if we disclaim, then there's no way for them to almost see us as something different or less than because we disclaimed and because we were like oh but I don't really know um and I think it's like almost this fear-based disclaimer at least for me it is it's almost like oh I'm even in class to this day I still will be like oh like I'm not really sure if this question will make sense but or I'm not sure of this um out of a fear of I think being wrong or being seen as differently by my classmates or by my prof or whatever it is and like um I think out of that seeking for approval because it almost feels that there is a lack of and so if I can disclaim and seek that approval in that way then that will suffice but yeah I just realized I like unconsciously do that because I always start like a question off of this probably sounds dumb and I still do it this is you also just- say for me mm-hmm. yeah that was so well put Emmy yeah I love that love you Bay. so we are going to move right along to our last section that we're going to be looking into which is the home 
So we're going to talk about weaponized incompetence today. (laughs) Everyone's, the scariest thing of all this Halloween is something that haunts us year round, guys. It's called weaponized incompetence. So it's also known as strategic incompetence, but it refers to the deliberate feigning of incompetence to avoid certain tasks or responsibilities. So this is very common in the male species. And we see that in the home. And this isn't because men are evil or anything like that. I think a lot of mothers and wives aid in this. So I'm not I'm not saying boo men. No pun intended. Happy Halloween. Um, but I'm saying <laughs> literally people listening to this, they're like, it is December. Like, what are we doing? Um, but yeah, this topic feels important to talk about because I believe weaponizing competence starts when we're children. Um, and like a lot of what Audrey was saying of like, girls are just taught to be responsible when you're younger. And, um, we're speaking from our like Christian and Kaylee's Catholic like context, of growing up and feeling this I think a lot of women feel this way even outside of a religious context but like women are raised like oh you will cook and clean and it's not even conscious it's just like oh you're gonna teach your daughter to do all these chores and like my brothers did chores as well just as I did but they were never as good as when I did them which I think is just interesting or like boys oh they just don't pick up after themselves they're just messy whatever so an example of weaponizing competence would a, would be a guy saying, I don't know how to cook. Okay, cooking isn't a skill you're born with. Um, this is something that you learn. I don't know how to load the dishwasher. You can learn how to do that. I don't know how to do X, Y, and Z. Because then this like strategic incompetence just makes the other people in their life, usually women, have to bear like their responsibilities. Um, and this shows up a lot in the home. Um, and I think a lot of it starts when we're younger because it's like, oh... I think a lot of moms, too, are just tired. Like, they've asked their kid to pick up their clothes 50 times, and they're not doing it. You don't want to leave it there. You'd like a clean house, so you just pick it up for them. And so I think a lot of times we, like, aid in that behavior just because it's like, I'm tired of explaining this. Because then when you explain it, you're nagging. And it's like, you literally can't win. And it's like, the, the reason it's a problem is the man not cleaning up. It's ridiculous. So for women, it's like, oh, you should just clean up after yourself, whatever. But with men, it's like, it's just not the same. But Kaylee, do you have something to share? I was going to say it's always the common of, but I don't do it as good as you. Babe, be my apprentice. I'll train you. <laughs> like, trust. Yeah, you don't have as much practice. You can get better. But how did you guys, how have you guys experienced weaponized incompetence um, in your life? Like, whether that's like, It'll probably be in, like, your family context, but Kaylee and I are in relationships. We could talk about that. But, yeah, Audrey, do you want to start us off? Yeah. Um, I see it the most with my two brothers. They're 16 and 14. Oh, those are prime, Um, primal weaponizing competence stages. My my dad is a slave. He cooks and cleans and does all the things. My dad is a great cook, great at cleaning as well. Yeah. I'm like, what happened? Um... (laughs) But, yeah, my brothers are bold with their weaponized competence. I think it started off just being, like, intentionally loading the dishwasher bad or my brother, like, just kind of doing what he can. When we're all doing chores, my younger brother would do all he could to get sent to his room instead. Um, So just act out so he got sent to his room and didn't have to do anything instead of doing chores. Um, We just make it so painful for my mom to enforce (laughs) rules. Um, and she just couldn't do it anymore. I was like, no, like, please leave. Um, go to your room. 
but um they've been getting bold lately the past couple months i was home they would just straight up be like so you're making me hot chocolate right (laughs) excuse me (laughs) yes they would just be like audrey you're making me hot chocolate right like no you can make chocolate hot chocolate with the mix by yourself he's like it's not i i don't know really know how to do i it's not as good um if i do it it's like oh good thing you're not two years old and you can do things for yourself good thing you have functioning arms and legs and can walk yourself to the kitchen and so i i never i don't i would freak out like i would actually freak out if my brother said that to me i'd be like literally never speak to me again like we're done things are so good for you audrey honestly i don't fall for it but my little sisters do because they're just precious they're like i have my one sister her name's Elle. she's just like we call her the heart of gold because she's so nice she'll do anything you ask her to do and so and the boys see that she'll be like slaving away in the kitchen making them smoothies just because they asked my mom has to be like no stop (laughs) don't do that goodbye so yeah um i found this little article um and it says that um it's just about weaponized incompetence and what that is like um and the heading of one of the questions or like the subheading says does weaponized incompetence only affect women and so it has this like kind of writing about it um and it says that there was a poll um in early 2020 and it says mothers are three times likely as fathers to shoulder the majority of household and parenting labor and also 1.5 times more likely than dads to spend an extra three or more hours on chores and childcare, and i think that that has a lot to do with weaponized incompetence and just that not just within parenting but just within um households in general or relationships with men in general of just like because we can quote unquote do it better or they just poorly did it and they make it difficult for people to ask them to do something because they did it so poorly Mm -hmm. and so it's almost a strategic thing of oh I'm just gonna do it bad because then no one will ask me to do it because I did it bad they won't want me to do it um and I think that is damaging in a lot of ways or just like oh you do it better can you just like do it for me um and kind of like Audrey was saying um in the same way of in the household of like oh, I just don't know how to do it or I'm going to make it so difficult for mom and so my sisters have to do it or whatever that looks like. Um, And like, oh, he can't do it as well. Can you just do it, Emmy? And so um, I think that plays a huge role within family and society and classrooms and in all aspects um, as just we feel the weight of that, I think, more than the average male. Yes, totally. Thank you for sharing, Emmy. It's interesting, like, thinking about... I'm actually thinking now more about what Audrey was saying about, like, the example of your brother with the hot chocolate. That's just a great example. I wonder how much of it is, like, boys, like, how much of it is, like, laziness, but how much of it is, like, genuinely, like, avoiding the vulnerability of not being as good at something and being, like, oh, as a man, like, I need to be competent and mm-hmm. smart and better than women at other things. That's, like, a mark of masculinity, superiority over women. And so putting those things below you and being, like, well, knowing how to make hot chocolate's stupid. So I'm not going to learn how to do that. I'm going to make my sister do that for me. My, mm-hmm. Look at my 11-year-old sister make my hot chocolate for me. Like, mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. If an 11-year-old girl can do it, which you also don't think – this is not your brother's <laughs> – like, we don't think of those – that age of a girl as like the smartest most like 
competent person, but it's like, if she can do it, certainly you can. So it just makes me think about like men avoiding like that uncomfortability of like genuinely not having a lot of experience with something. And so it feels easier to be like, I don't know how you do it better when it's like, that is not the solution. The solution is for you to um, practice more. And I think when we're younger girls, it's like, oh, if we're doing the dishes wrong, it's like, this is how you properly load the dishwasher. You're going to get shown a couple times and then we will learn how to do it. But it's interesting that with guys, a lot of guys, it's just like, oh, I'm just going to like, this is beneath me. Mm. I think they also just don't want to ask for help because I even see things like that in my dad because like not shaming Eric. It's more of a thing of like he just wants to see because I think men in general are very hands on. Totally. And so and they're all very hands on learners. And so like my dad, like we he restores our classic cars all the time. And so he's like rebuilding an engine and he doesn't know how to do it. And he's like, well, let me see if this works. And then he ends up hurting himself or he ends up doing something dumb. And he's like, I should have just asked for help. And I'm like, yeah, you should have. Totally. I think, I think it just stems part. from that. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. Um, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Like that just feels uncomfortable versus I think it's like normal for girls to ask for help. It's just like, oh, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me? But I think especially if you're an, like a 16 year old boy, you don't want to be like, mom can you help me with that <laughs> you don't no. want to do that you'll just say mom can you do this for me very interesting um yeah we will definitely do a whole episode on weaponizing competence because so much to unpack and it affects us growing up and affects us as you get into relationships there's so much to go off of with that there's a lot to unpack um but yeah wrapping up what feelings are uh coming up as we talk about these different things and just like how girls are often held to a higher standard like I feel like that's just kind of the pervasive like theme like whether it's like behaviorally or anything like that like it just feels like there's a lot more pressure on girls to like have it together and be perfect and with boys there's a lot more margin of like oh they're just kids they don't know what they're doing they don't know how to do things but with girls it's like nope this is how things are done so what feelings are coming up for you guys um, I think for me, it's almost a space of relearning for me and me broadening my understanding of men and bro- also broadening my understanding of other women around me. Yeah, I think this brings a sense of hope to um, both males and females within both spaces that they exist in um, to be growing and to be learning. Um, and I know that having conversations about this may seem um scary or may seem like oh we're hating on this or we're hating on that but I don't think that is it is that at all I think it's just a space of like wait I've never had a conversation like this with another female in my life and so I think that brings a space of vulnerability and lightness of of instead of coming at it of I don't know in a defensive way and an angry way um just being like here's my experience and holding that with open arms and being hopeful for the future of learning and within these conversations so yeah i think it brings up a lot for me but a lot of good and a lot of bad at the same time which is okay that was so well said what are you thinking girlies um i am thinking about how important it is to have compassion on our younger selves and compassion on some of the spaces that we were in that might have hurt us as girls um and I think there's like a space for realizing that like 
as a girl, I made mistakes or like there are things I wish I didn't um, do or feel like I didn't live fully um, and there are mistakes my family made, my school made, my church made, um, but I want to close thinking about that with an overwhelming sense of compassion and forgiveness for injustices sounds really proper but little things that hurt me as a girl and so I want to just like hold my younger self just um just hold her in compassion and and with forgiveness that's what's sitting on my mind I definitely agree with Audrey and when writing our notes another one of my silly little references uh it was a song by Laufey that's a letter to my 13 year old self and in that she talks about like she just wishes that she could turn back the clock and like hug that girl Mm. and I feel the same way of like I wish I could hug her and tell her like you weren't good at kickball but you were the craftiest person you probably ever knew Mm -hmm. and that's what matters like you were the coolest you had the coolest scrapbooks and that was insane and so I think if I could just like hug her and tell her like hey everything's gonna be all right and even if like I still struggle with the same mindsets I had as a younger girl because I'm still a girl that's not gonna change I'm still gonna have these habits and that's okay I'm still gonna have these outlooks but I can change the way like that I deal with things like I have this quote on my phone that's like it's not what you face it's how you face it and I wake up to it every single morning because it's like if there's a difficult situation well let's see if I can face it in a different way today and I think that's the beauty of like life you wake up and you have a new start and I think that's just like what's on my mind of like just being more compassionate towards myself and just like being more forgiving of like if I mess up then it's all right I can start over yeah thank you guys for sharing um feelings that are coming up for me I feel like when I was younger I had like a very hyper individualist understanding of myself and so I was like I'm the only one that gets this and is going through this because like that (laughs) made my suffering feel more personal but it obviously feels so much better to share that with other people and realize so much uh that is whatever is most personal is like most universal you know that quote So, um, yeah, I feel uplifted talking about these things and it obviously can be discouraging like on the surface being like, oh my gosh, it feels like being a girl is so hard growing up. Being a boy is hard growing up too. I just have no idea what that's like and I can't speak to that. So we're just going to be speaking to our experience and I really loved our conversation of exploring uh, just the difficulties of being a girl in different spaces and I think we need to talk about those things to move on from them and say, okay. I used to not feel like I could speak up in class, but I can now or Mm. things like that and find ways to grow in that. Um, And just even with something like weaponized incompetence, that's like probably going to affect us for the rest of our life. Um, Having language to that and being able to talk about that is super important. And so I think all of these things, like I think it's for Christians a lot of times when you're talking about things that are difficult, it's like you're being divisive and it's like, okay, but this was already true and like a reality for me and it just wasn't being talked about. And so I think bringing light to it helps things lose their power and helps us process them as a community, which I think is what we should do. So that's my soapbox. But yeah, we're gonna sign off. So thank you guys all for listening. Happy holidays. How about that? Because we have Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up. Okay. (laughs) Love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Did I Talk Too Much? If you enjoyed this week's episode, we would love to hear from you. You can leave a rating and a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. 
To make sure you don't miss an episode every other week, be sure to subscribe. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram as well to get the latest updates on upcoming events, new blogs, and question boxes where you have the chance to have your questions answered on the podcast. Our Instagram is at grit at Biola. Our blog is linked in our Instagram bio where you can hear from our staff writers and read more about our mission. Thanks again for tuning in. The views expressed in this podcast may not necessarily represent the beliefs of Biola University or the GRIT Editorial Board. All content is designed to inspire and challenge GRIT listeners to explore their gifting, foster resilience, gain insight, and develop tenacity.